Welcome back to the Winnipeg Foundation's Because Radio. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined via Zoom by Chef Ben Kramer, who has started the Made with Love initiative in Winnipeg, and he's here to tell us a little more about it. Ben, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. First and foremost, let's talk about how it all got started. What was your motivation for launching Made with Love here in Winnipeg? A little bit before uh, Made with Love got started, um, with the pandemic kind of first hit Winnipeg and, and restaurants were forced to shut down, we reached out to a handful of restaurants uh, and sort of started this restaurant rescue initiative because we were concerned uh, kind of twofold with restaurants closing. You know, they, I think they had maybe 24 hours, 36 hours to close their doors um, with the first shutdown. We were concerned one for the staff and what was going to happen uh, with them, but then immediately sort of shifted to what's going to happen to all the food. We got a lot of restaurants uh, in the city sitting on a on a pretty big inventory of food. Uh, this was back in the summer, and we knew that restaurant owners were going to be dealing with shutting down, laying off staff, figuring out how to pivot if they could, and that the food sitting in the fridges would probably uh, go to waste by the time they figured out what to do with it. So we put out a call. Uh, on Instagram of all places and just said um, if there's any restaurants that had excess food to contact us, we would take it um, and either distribute it to organizations that needed it or process it uh, so we could get meals to people that needed it. We've done a lot of work with Main Street Project, Norwest, uh, Agape Table, a few organizations. So we sort of had those um, relationships already built. And then what, you know, we thought would be a handful of restaurants turned into a lot of restaurants and what we thought would be a couple of days worth of uh, processing food turned into several weeks of processing food. I think we, we saved well over a hundred thousand dollars worth of food from, from hitting the dumpster uh, and got it into the hands of people that needed it. So that was back, uh, I don't know, I think in March, April. It kind of happened. And then the excess food in restaurants dried up because everybody was closed. We processed everything we needed. Um, we kind of locked down for a bit because nobody knew what was happening and just sort of hid out like most people uh, waiting to see what was going to happen. Uh, and then when it became clear that this pandemic wasn't going anywhere, we recognized that there was a lot of people who typically access food banks uh, and food centers uh, that would probably have a difficult time getting food, uh, primarily with a lot of these places closing and tightening up to limit the spread. We had a lot of people in isolation, a lot of people uh, who are food insecure. So we partnered with the Community Food Centers of Canada. Um, they had a program made with love uh, that they had started in Toronto that was reaching a lot of people. Um, we've been working with them for years. So we reached out and then offered to run the same program here in Winnipeg and again uh, the goal was twofold it was one to keep a few cooks employed uh, with our industry being shut down but then primarily to get food into the hands of people that need it the most so we again reached out uh, to the general public asked for help uh, obviously we needed some funds to get it going we got some seed money from the community food centers to to get off the ground but we were responsible for fundraising ourselves and once again, what we thought would be a couple weeks worth of work has turned into several months. I think we're going on week 40 right now of feeding people. So it's been pretty incredible. 
What would a typical prep day look like from the very beginning to getting a meal out to the people who need them? Yeah, I mean, it, it, the numbers change week to week uh, based on the organizations that we're getting food to and their needs. Uh, but the kind of the routine and the process uh, stays the same. We're trying to stay a week ahead of things as much as we can in our planning, but uh, we're pretty flexible. So as numbers jump up, uh, we're able to adapt pretty quickly. Um, but typically we, we end a week by uh, receiving food that we're getting for the following week. And then uh, our week really consists of we do a, a really heavy day of prep getting everything ready, cooked, cooled. Obviously, we're trying to work to keep things as safe as possible. So we do a lot of uh, cooking and cooling and getting everything as prepared as possible. Um, and then the following day, we spend packing. So we spend an entire day packaging meals. All, all of these meals that we're doing are individually portioned with the idea that if you're living in, in a rooming house or you're in isolation or you're in detox uh, or you have limited uh, access to a kitchen, you're uh, still able to eat. So all the meals are fully cooked, they're individually packed, and there's instructions on the packages of several ways to reheat. So um, they're designed so that if you have a traditional stove, you can heat it up. If you only have a microwave, you can heat it up. Uh, we're vacuum sealing them so that even if you just have access to a pot of hot water, you can drop the whole bag in for an allocated amount of time, and then it's been reheated and ready to go. And then it's also fully cooked. So if you have access to no kitchen, uh, you can eat it cold. But yeah, essentially our, our week looks like we spend a day prepping, we spend a day packing, we spend a day uh, doing distribution or, or getting the food out, and then we repeat. How many meals would you prepare on average each week? Yeah, we started with low numbers in May, just while we were figuring things out. And the numbers have fluctuated quite a bit. We've done everything from four or 500 meals a week up to, I think the most we've done at this point is close to 1,500. We are only doing one pickup a week right now, just due to logistics of, of distribution on, on the other end uh, and, and the financial implications of doing more and more meals. But uh, yeah, we're, I, th I would say we're averaging uh, would, right now between five and 700 a week, depending on the need. Since we started, I think we're just over 25,000 meals that we've uh, given away to a handful of organizations. As the weeks have gone on, different organizations and people have heard about this initiative and provided support in many ways. I'm wondering if you can speak to that community support and what it's meant for the Made with Love initiative here. Yeah, you know what? It's just really blown my mind. Uh, every time we do a charity event uh, or we host a pop-up trying to fundraise, we tend to sell out. Winnipeggers have always been, well, Manitobans, I guess, have, have always been pretty great about supporting these initiatives. But what's really blown my mind uh, is the amount of support that this project has received with little to no return for the people donating the money. Uh, at the risk of sounding a little bit cynical, a lot of the events we do are kind of serving two purposes. The people are donating money by buying a ticket and getting to come to a fun event, but they're getting to come to a fun event. This project is strictly donation-based, and then uh, all of that money goes towards feeding the people in need. So there's, there's little return to the person donating other than, you know, that good feeling of donating. And, you know, again, this project was supposed to be 
you know, a couple weeks to a month and, and we're still going at week 40. Um, and that's a hundred percent due to donations coming in from the general public. So that's like really blown, blown our minds that, uh, you know, every time we think we're about to run out of funds and we're going to have to kind of wrap this project up, more money comes in from, from the public. So it's, it's been very humbling to say the least. Have any of the community food centers um, reached out to you and do they have any sort of success stories or feedback that they've shared with you about what a difference this has made? Yeah, it's been pretty wild, like on a bunch of levels. Internally, we're able to keep a few people employed, uh, which has been great. But in working with the, I don't know, dozen or so organizations that we're getting the food to, because we're not, we're not doing the distribution to individuals. What we're doing is we're preparing and packing meals based on the needs and getting them to various organizations, whether it's Norwest, um, Agape Table, Main Street Project, North Point Douglas Women's Resource Center. We're giving them the bulk of the food and then they're doing distribution. So we're not getting to see the impact directly, but by working with these organizations, they've been kind of giving us regular updates. And it's, it's pretty amazing. Like it's not only are we getting food to people that need it, there's that, you know, kind of obvious impact, but by preparing and, and producing food to these organizations, we're, we're able to free up some of their resources where, you know, they've got volunteers or staff who are trying to cook and organize food to feed people, but that's that's really not their strength or their background. So we're what we're able to do, you know, as professional cooks is arguably way more efficient than than somebody who doesn't work in the food industry. So the amount of food that we're able to produce and the amount of food we're able to put out there is quite a bit more than, you know, what a group of volunteers would be able to do. So what we've done is, you know, not only are we feeding people, but we're freeing up resources on their end where they can use their people kind of maybe a little more efficiently and, and not worry so much about uh, the food end of things. One of the bigger things that we're trying to focus on as well is that the meals that we're providing, we're trying to make them as uh, comforting, but as nutritionally dense as possible. Uh, a lot of organizations that deal with um, donations and handouts are typically getting food that uh, either expired, not in the best shape, uh, and, and oftentimes not super nutritious you know, which is, I guess, arguably better than nothing. Uh, but our focus is on, on doing complete meals that uh, are packed with nutrients and, and good ingredients uh, to try and get people through this difficult time. That's something that anyone who's listened to your podcast with my colleague, Nolan Bicknell, on Because and Effect, um, you know, something that you're very passionate about and that you feel really strongly about. And I'm wondering if you can speak to uh, sort of that importance a little bit, why you feel it's important to give back to the community and help people along the way of making food choices that are healthy for them and sustainable as well. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, been working with food my whole life, so it's 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 kind of my love language, and it's how I'm able to give back. Uh, I I'm a very big advocate on on people using their strengths to help. Uh, we get a lot of people who over the years, you know, want to volunteer their time to come help us prep food, maybe come help us deliver food. I think there's a little bit of novelty around chefs and food and what we do. But to be like completely honest, a lot of the people that want to volunteer have little to no food experience. <laughs> so 
what we try and do is focus on 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 people's strengths i mean if you're uh i don't know if you're an accountant and you want to give back use your accounting skills to give back you know help help people with what you're good at you know it's always good to have an extra set of hands in the kitchen but capable hands versus unskilled hands are are very very different and that's not to say that volunteers aren't appreciated they are i just think it's really important to use what strengths you have to have the most impact uh, and for us, you know, the biggest impact we can have is through food. It's through feeding people creatively. It's uh, we have an understanding of nutrition and, and how to maximize food. You know, the, the food business is a business at the end of the day. And, and to be successful in it, you have to understand how to maximize your product. And, and that's something that we're, we're well versed in. So we're able to take a little bit of food and do some combining and have a bigger overall impact uh, that way. So we, we've kind of doubled down and put all of our focus into the food side of things. And, you know, we believe that access to healthy food is a human right. And unfortunately, um, that's not the case, you know, in Canada, for sure. If, and, and, and elsewhere, food access is a is a really difficult thing for a lot of people. So we're trying to do our best to, to break down those barriers and, and get food and, and good food to the people that need it most. That's where we're coming from. We're just about out of time, but before we sign off, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners about the Made With Love initiative? The main thing is we want, you know, we're committed to keeping this thing going as long as we possibly can. We have the resources and the, the staffing to keep doing this indefinitely, really. The, the one thing that will keep us going, as always, is cash. So we're constantly fundraising to try and keep this thing going. Without the funds to keep donating food, we're kind of unable to keep it going. And we've been extremely, extremely lucky uh, and grateful that we've been able to keep it going this long. And we'd like to keep it going as long as we possibly can. So what we're doing is we're just asking people if they are in a position to donate, to donate. Uh, there's a link on my website, a quick link if you want to do a, a donation. Uh, every little bit helps. It all adds up. Uh, the 25,000 meals or so that we've done, the majority of it have been through small donations, whether it's 10, 20, $100 at a time. Uh, they all add up and have kept us going this long. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're committed to, to feeding people as long as we're able to. And uh, through donations is how we're able to do it. So that's really our biggest ask at this point. And the website for people to visit if they'd like to learn more about the initiative or if they'd like to make a donation, chefbenkramer.com. And then just clicking on the Made With Love tab, and then that page will have all the information about the initiative and uh, and a link for people to donate if they'd like to make a donation as well. We've just put up a little video as well on that same page, kind of outlining what we're doing and, and how it works for those that are interested. Perfect. I've been speaking with Chef Ben Kramer with the Made With Love initiative here in Winnipeg. Ben, thank you again so much for speaking with me today. Thank you. Appreciate it. Because Radio is produced by the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU-FM. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit becauseradio.org. 